Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you that you have not passed us by. We thank you and we praise you that you are attentive to our need for grace. You proved that in sending Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you that while Jesus uh, walked among us during his earthly ministry, we thank you, Lord, that he showed generous love towards all people. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, that that generous love is poured out into our hearts. And so, Lord, may you give us your heart of generosity. So give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and hearts to receive as we open your word today. Amen. Our gospel lesson today is taken from Luke, the 19th chapter, beginning with the first verse. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Today I'm starting a sermon series on generosity. We are entering into the season of, of Lent, and I believe that during the season of Lent, it's good for us to reflect upon ourselves, and it's good for us to examine ourselves, and it's good for us to reevaluate our priorities in life. So today we start a series on generosity. Here's a quote that I heard. It's up on the screen. You can give generously without love. Isn't that true? Many people give generously, but they give without love. But here's the thing, but you cannot love without giving generously. You cannot love without giving generously. And this is true of, of every area of our lives. Do you love your wife? Do you love your wife? It'll prove itself in giving generously. Do you love your children? It'll prove itself in giving generously. You can give generously without love, but you cannot love without giving generously. Uh, some might think, just right off the bat, that, that a preacher would only speak on generosity to get more people to put more money into the offering plate. But generosity has to do with so much more than just money. It has to do with, with who God is, the nature of God, and it has to do with being a recipient of that generous nature of God and his love and his grace and then giving it to other people. So my, my motivation really isn't 
money in the offering plate. However, if a believer understands the radical nature of God's generosity towards us in Christ, how can that believer not be generous in supporting the work of the local church and of the mission of Christ through his church? So yes, my money, my wallet, which really isn't mine, because what do we believe? God is owner of all things, right? He owns all things, and we are just simply faithful stewards or faithful managers of all that God has given to us. So yes, it does include money. It does include the offering plate. That has to do with the subject of generosity. But it's not just about money. It's about everything. It's about everything in our lives. So uh, let's think about this first. Where does generosity start? Does generosity start with me and you, or does it start with God? Where does this generous spirit come from? Generosity starts with God. It starts with him. How radical has God been in his generosity towards sinful humanity? Think about it. How radical has he been from Genesis to, Re to Revelation in his generosity towards a rebellious and sinful people? Generosity doesn't start with me. Generosity starts with God. Pastor Dave Christensen, after my sermon on radical mercy last week, he said, really, isn't God radical in every way? He is a radical God. Radical in every way. Radical generosity. And I'm so thankful for that generosity that he's bestowed upon me in my life. If it wasn't for a radical God, we, he never would have sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to take away the sin of the world through the cross. Just think of that. He sent his son, his one and only son, to suffer and to die upon the cross. My friends, that is radical generosity. God is generous. He is generous in love. He's generous in love towards you. The Apostle Paul wanted the church in Ephesus to know the radical nature of God's generous love. So in Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 and following St. Paul writes this, for this reason I bow my knees before the God and Father from whom every family in heaven on earth is named, that according to the rich of his, of riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Now listen to this, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. God's love towards you is so generous that it surpasses our ability to understand or to comprehend. Have you ever wondered what we'll do for eternity in heaven? Maybe after a million years, 
in Christ's presence, we will just begin to scratch the surface of the generosity of his love towards us. We'll only begin to scratch the surface after we have been there for ages and ages. God is radical. He is generous. He's generous to us in every way, but especially in love. We first see the radical generosity of God's nature in the Garden of Eden. In the beginning, God placed our first parents, Adam and Eve, in a perfect garden where they experienced God's love in perfection, never separated from his love. There they lived off of God's abundant generosity every day. Abundant generosity from God. And God gave to our first parents a free will, a truly free will. They had the freedom to reject God. And I hope you know the story. They did reject God's command. When the serpent entered into the garden, they obeyed his voice rather than the voice of God. And they ate of the forbidden fruit. And after eating of the forbidden fruit, humanity was cursed with sin. By toil and pain, they would work to provide for themselves and for their children. They had sinned, and because of their sin, they had to face the consequences of their choice. But God was not finished being a generous God to Adam and Eve. He continued with generosity even after they had sinned. This is grace. This is love. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. And isn't that like us? To feel the guilt and the shame of our sin and to hide from God? But the Lord, this is love, this is generous love. The Lord God called to the man. He called to the man. That is love. Generous love. God didn't have to walk through the garden on that day. He didn't have to call out to Adam and Eve. He could have simply uh, allowed his judgment to fall upon them and then that was it. But he called out to them. Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Then God covered their shame. He covered their shame. How did he cover their shame? He covered their shame by the sacrifice of an animal. Genesis 3.21. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skin and clothed them. He is a generous God. He clothed them. He covered their shame. And he has done the same for us in Jesus Christ. God has covered your shame. He has covered your shame by the sacrifice of a lamb. Isn't he generous? John the Baptist said it, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He has removed your shame. Now you are clothed in his sacrifice. 
You are clothed in his sacrifice in the waters of your baptism. Look at what Galatians 3:27 says. For as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus have put on Christ. He is a radically generous God. You are clothed. You are clothed in the very righteousness of Christ. Your sins are gone. And all that remains is the clothing of his holiness, of his righteousness and his perfection, which covers all of your sin. He is a generous God. Now, you sitting here today, your identity is in Christ. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone. The new has come. That is who you are. And it all comes from the radical nature of God's generous love given to you in Jesus Christ. And now we go to Luke chapter 19. As Jesus was walking through Jericho, he saw a wee little man. We know the name of that wee little man, Zacchaeus. And we know the song, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. He climbed up in a sycamore tree. Why? For the Lord he wanted to see. This wee little man was known and hated by many in Jericho. He was a tax collector. No one likes tax collectors. People dislike tax collectors. Even in our day, who here, raise your hand if you love paying your taxes. <laughs> Nobody here likes paying their taxes. People dislike taxes. These tax collectors like Zacchaeus would collect taxes from Rome and then they would charge high fees on top of the duty that they collected. Tax collectors could get away with fraud because they had the power of Rome behind them. Zacchaeus admitted to fraud in our gospel lesson. Zacchaeus would have been able to pay for some of the greatest luxuries Jericho offered because he was rich. The greatest luxuries he could have. Uh, he would have been able to, to pay for the greatest vices Jericho offered. He was the big kahuna of sinners in Jericho. If you wanted to meet the sinner of sinners, just go to Zacchaeus' house and he would be there with all of his sinner friends gathered together. A party scene of notorious sinners in Jericho. Just go to Zacchaeus' house. When Zacchaeus heard that Jesus was coming to town, he wanted to see Jesus. The Holy Spirit must have been stirring in Zacchaeus' heart a desire, a desire to be cleansed of his guilt and of his sin. Something was happening in Zacchaeus' heart. His compulsion to see Jesus was higher than his stature. So much so that he climbed up in a sycamore tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. And I imagine that day that Zacchaeus never in his wildest dreams would imagine that Jesus would ever want to go to his house. I think Zacchaeus was forced to climb the tree that day because no one would have let him through to the front of the crowd to see Jesus. Remember, they didn't like Zacchaeus. 
He represented everything that, that faithful Judeans despise. They wouldn't let him through because he was a sinner, and a sinner didn't deserve to go to the front to see the Savior. But who saw Zacchaeus? Jesus saw Zacchaeus. Jesus saw him. And Jesus sees you. He sees you today. And Jesus never misses an opportunity to demonstrate the radical nature of his generous love. We miss opportunities every day to be generous, to give. To give not just of our income, but to give of ourselves and of our time. We miss so many opportunities. But Jesus didn't miss an opportunity. He never missed an opportunity to give his radical love and provision to you or to Zacchaeus or to people who are in our community today. Today, you know the generous love of Jesus. And today, you have been transformed by the generous love of Jesus. You are forgiven. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old rotten nature of your sinfulness has been washed away, and you are a new person in Christ. Jesus didn't miss the opportunity to demonstrate his radical love to you. He didn't miss the opportunity with Zacchaeus. Luke 19, 5 through 7. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Zacchaeus didn't harden his heart. He didn't harden his heart. No doubt Jesus' invitation to come to Zacchaeus' home would have melted his heart. Melted his heart. Making it ready to be a recipient of his generous love. On the other hand, the, the, the religious crowd, the faithful Judeans, hardened their hearts. They hardened their hearts. And their unwillingness to show generous love towards a notorious sinner like Zacchaeus, I believe that it further sealed their condemnation. They just became harder and more callous that day to what Jesus was all about. But not Zacchaeus. Jesus melted his heart. And Jesus invited himself into Zacchaeus' house. So praise be to God. He can break through to anybody. He can even break through to the most callous, religious, legalist that there is. So we are all a people of great hope. He can break through to sinners and he can break through to the most calloused Pharisee that is out there. He broke through to Paul's calloused heart, remember? Jesus met the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. He was set to kill Christians, but he broke through. It's true of me. In my old nature, apart from Christ, I'm just as judgmental as the pious people that day who looked down upon Zacchaeus. That's who I am by nature, brothers and sisters in Christ. God's love is breaking through. 
God's love is breaking through this old calloused heart to have love and tenderness for Jesus and for the people that Jesus has a love and a tenderness for also. He hasn't given up on me. He hasn't given up on you. His love is breaking through. Don't harden your hearts. Be open. Receive it. So Jesus saw Zacchaeus and Jesus invited himself into Zacchaeus' home. And what a transformation happened. What a transformation that transpired. Jesus demonstrated the radical nature of generous love towards a sinner like Zacchaeus. And it brought a complete transformation to this wee little man. His life completely changed. Verses 8 and 10 of uh, Luke 19. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Radical generosity starts with God. It starts with Jesus. It doesn't start with us. He is the one who came to seek and to save the lost. And that, my friends, is what transforms us into a people of radical generosity in our lives. And radical generosity is the response of radical love. All we can say is what Paul says in our first lesson, 2 Corinthians 9.15. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Thanks be to God for his inexpressible gift. Notes from the Gospel Transformation Study Bible. If you find yourself lacking the impulse to give to those in need, you are likely forgetting the surpassing grace that was given to you while you were in need. If you are unable to forgive, you have lost sight of the forgiveness that is yours in Christ. A forgiving heart is a forgiven heart. If you're unable to give something up, there's a lack of appreciation for all that Christ gave up on your behalf. When you identify the area where, the go where, where gospel growth is lacking, you are identifying the place where you are failing to believe the gospel. Ask the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, to make Christ and the gospel real to you. This is what the Holy Spirit delights to do. This is what he is waiting to do within your heart. That you would grasp the radical nature of God's love and of the gospel. That it would transform you into a person who goes giving radical generosity towards others. How does this apply to us? Christ has been radically generous, generous to you in every way. Therefore, you are called to be generous in every way. Again, my motivation in preaching on generosity isn't to get you to put more money into the offering plate. But if generosity is given through Christ to his church, to his church which he laid his life down for, remember that. Christ laid his life down for the church. 
Wouldn't it make sense that we would be generous in giving to the work of his church too? Isn't that just automatic for us to be generous in giving? Sometimes giving can be difficult. Sometimes it's hard. But God is able to provide all things at all times. Today I want to share with you Dan's story. Dan is a veteran. Uh, Dan uh, gave his life for our country through a friend. The gospel was shared with him. He came to know Jesus. He came to know the radical generosity of God's love and of his grace in Christ Jesus. And this generosity transformed Dan's life. Do we have that? Hi, I'm Dan, and this is my story. Most of my life had pretty much evolved around me being selfish and um, living for myself and not really caring about what anybody else thought. So I joined the military when I was 18 um, in the Army. Um, I tried out for the Special Forces, uh, made it there, ended up spending uh, five tours, or taking five tours to Iraq. I got injured several times. Um, I hurt my back, actually tore my back um, twice, hurt my neck a few times, um, got blown up three different times, all the while thinking I was invincible. During my time in the military, um, I was, our spending was out of control. It was pretty much on the same trajectory as my life. Um, and we would pretty much live paycheck to paycheck without much care of uh, what the next month would bring. So the last year that I was in the military, um, I had a friend that I had went to jump school with, um, Todd. He, he had uh, given his life to Christ. Uh, and he, in an effort to save me, um, actually asked me to come out to California um, and participate in a, a seminar with him. So he paid for my trip out there, which was really cool. Um, and that's when I, when I gave my life to Christ. We started serving, helping out. But as I read the Bible and, and really started to get involved um, with the church and, and serving and all that, that's that's truly when my wife and I realized that, you know, that's not what we're we're cheating God because that's not um, what the tithe is. You know, we're supposed to bring the full tithe uh, to the church, which is 10%. We knew that the money we were given was God's anyhow, um, and we were being obedient. About 18 months ago, um, with the cutbacks. I guess and all that with, uh, with work. Our whole section was cut back um, 20% of my salary. Um, and I talked to my wife about that and she's like, you know, what are we gonna do? That's a lot of money. And I was like, we're gonna trust God and we're gonna continue to tithe, you know, in the full amount. And throughout that whole process, uh, I had a couple of different things happen to me, which were really cool. There was no reason, but I got a bonus. Um, you know, certain things came in the mail and I was just like, only God can provide that money, especially when we needed it. That was really cool. And so with all of my, my past screw-ups and sins and, and all the, the junk in my past that I've done, um, God's forgiven me for all of that. Uh, and I believe that He has a purpose for me. Uh, but one of the things He's done recently for me in the last couple of years is given me the gift to run. He's, he's given me that gift to compete in ultra marathons. And I've ran a couple hundred mile races. And um, that's really the time that I 
that I put forth to praise and worship God. And that's my prayer time. So I really, I really enjoy running. Um, and I really enjoy, you know, telling people when they ask, well, you know, didn't you have a broken back and how are you running? And, you know, aren't you still taking all those drugs? And I tell them, no, that, that God healed me um, for His glory. And, and that's why I run. You know, there's nothing like, um, I guess, that feeling of security and just knowing that God will provide for you. And that's really what we like to do. We like to give. Our family gives a lot. But I believe that God wants us to, to really trust Him and to give bigger than we've given before. Um, kind of on a, like on a level of an extravagant gift, if you will. But Jesus even said, you know, that when tough times come or when troubles come, and they will, not if, but when they do, um, if you put your faith and trust in me, then I'll provide. Amen. We serve a generous God. He gives so generously to us over and over and over again. Now remember this, you can give generously without love. You cannot love without giving generously. Jesus loved you. He gave to you unfathomable, unbelievable grace and mercy and generosity. Trust him. Believe in him. Know that he can provide all things for you. I know it from experience. I know what it's like to give, and I know what it's like to be without enough. And I know what it's like for God to provide in miraculous ways. So let us give. Let us give as those transformed by his generous love. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you and we praise you that you are so good to us that you are so generous to us. Remind us, Heavenly Father, that you will provide all things that are needed. You proved that in sending Jesus Christ who went to the cross. You proved that in the love that you demonstrated through the shedding of your blood. So we thank you, Heavenly Father, that we are recipients of generous, generous love. And Heavenly Father, may that then spill out of our lives and into the lives of others. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.